Hello, this is the Contractor Coffee Club podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm your host, Mark Madison. This podcast is hosted on egiorg slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGI snapshot survey. In today's episode, we'll conclude our talk about sales. So my first question is how? Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. Thomas Jefferson said that. I've long believed in trial and error, painful experience, and extensive study on the subject of goal achievement. And that can be summarized in one word, desire. How bad do you want what you say you want? Is the desired objective really yours, or is it someone else's? Knowing exactly what you want and why you want it is all that's required to start. The how will come if you're persistent and have faith in yourself and your ability to achieve your desired ends. In my early 30s, I decided I wanted to become become a writer for one simple reason. Writers live longer than most other people. Why? Well, there's always one more story, one more essay, one more article, one more book. Writers never retire. Why would they? It's something they can do forever. As long as the mind is clear, there's always another idea that might help other people. And there's always something or someone to write about. I realized that day I needed a typewriter. Back then, a good used IBM Selectric typewriter cost $500. To me, that was just too much money for this part-time job I was embarking on. So I did what I've always done. I set a goal. I grabbed a 3 by 5 card and I wrote, I'm so happy to have purchased a good used typewriter for $50. I love writing on my brand new used typewriter. I put that goal card on the dashboard of my truck and I read it aloud hundreds of times. Over the next few weeks, as fate would have it, I was conducting a survey on the mechanical system for a church in Seattle. The facilities guy, let's call him Tom, was giving me the tour. We entered the hallway where some rubbish was stored and I noticed three used typewriters on the floor. Why are those typewriters just sitting on the floor, I asked. Oh, he said. I just haven't made it the time to get to the dump. Smiling, I said, well, do they work? Well, I think the one on the right does, but it's missing some parts. Remembering my goal, I asked, can I have it? Oh, he replied, I couldn't give it to you. Twenty bucks, he said with a Cheshire Cat smile. I pulled the money out of my wallet and handed it to him, and I immediately took the use IBM typewriter to McDonald and Klein, a business office supply store that fixed used machines. It's since gone by the way of the dodo. Can you fix this so it's usable, I asked. The clerk smiled and replied, of course. It'll need a new ball and a ribbon and perhaps a little cleaning. And he gave me a quote, $38. I beamed. Do it, was all I said. A week later, I wrote my first story on my brand new used IBM typewriter. Total cost, $58. That was a magical lesson for me in goal achievement. You see, you do not know how you're going to do something. It's the how question is, is the wrong question. All you need to do is decide on what you want and why and bombard your subconscious with that objective. Persist in its affirmation and wait. The universe will provide the answers if you're patient, persistent, and you truly believe. So what is it you really, really want? 
It doesn't matter how you're going to achieve it. Just write down the what and the why and wait. Would you like to work less and earn more? Would you like to increase your sales by 50%? What about a 75% close ratio? Write it down. Remember RET, repetition, emotion, and time. Chuck Norris said, I've always found that anything worth achieving will always be, will always have obstacles in the way. And you've got to have that drive and determination to overcome those obstacles and route to whatever it is you say you want to accomplish. Les Brown, the author and speaker said, review your goals twice a day in order to be focused on achieving them. Michelangelo said, the great danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but setting our aim too low and achieving the mark. So what's your number one sales goal? Consider the following formula for its achievement. I've done this with everything I've ever truly wanted to accomplish since I was 14 years old. And let me tell you, it works. Number one, write down your goal on a three by five card and list the reasons you want it. The more emotional the reason, the better. Proving somebody wrong, by the way, is a fantastic reason. Anything as it relates to your children or grandchildren, great reason. Number two, Make sure the goal is written as if it were already true. In the present tense, remember the four P's of goal achievement, personal, positive, powerful, and present tense. Most of my goals start out with, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and then I affirm what I want. Number three, make sure it's written in powerful language that stirs the soul. It's a great feeling to have reached my annual sales goal by October 31st. Number four, make certain it's your goal, not for someone else. Personal? Yes. Number five, make certain it's written in a positive tone. It's fun and easy for me to enjoy a 75% close ratio. Number six, review your goal at least twice a day. More is better. Say it aloud with a smile. Imagine it's happening for you. See it in your mind's eye. One of the things I do every morning, and I did this today, is I write down my goal, my number one goal, on a notepad or a journal. And I write as if we're already true, and I say it out loud 10, 15, 20 times. Then I list the reasons why I want it, and invariably what comes out of that are actions. And I list those actions. Then I prioritize them, and I get to work, doing first things first, one thing at a time, and finish what I start. Number seven, persist. Keep affirming over and over until. I have an antique typewriter in my office on a special little table. It reminds me where I started as a writer with that old used IBM. It was the best $58 I ever invested. There'll always be one more story. One of the big challenges salespeople face day in and day out are objections. Samuel Johnson said, nothing will ever be attempted if possible objections must first be overcome. Did you know that objections are your friends? If your prospect is hammering you with objections, it means one thing, you're still in the game. If he or she never calls you back or returns your emails, well, then the game is in all likelihood over. I love objections. It means there's still a chance to close the sale and earn a new client. What objections do you most commonly hear? Make a list. When I first started, here's the ones I heard most often. Number one, it costs too much. Number two, we don't have that much money. Number three, I need to talk to my boss, wife, partner. Number four, I'll get back to you on this. And number five, I need to get some other bids. In Frank Betcher's book, How I Raised Myself from a Failure to Success in Selling, written in 1927, he advises to use four simple words to overcome any objection. Here are the four words. In addition to that. 
In addition to that, is there anything else? You see, what J.P. Morgan said at the turn of the 20th century is still true today. A man or woman will give you two reasons for doing or not doing a thing. A reason, and then there's the truth. More often than not, the first objection is a smokescreen. If you reply to your first objection with, in addition to that, is there anything else, your prospect is forced to give you another objection. And guess what? The last one he gives you is the true one. Once you get to the last objection, now you can overcome it with professional persistence. Here are some simple strategies to win the business. The responses match the five previous objections listed. Be sure to refer back to them as you consider. Number one, ask, it costs too much? Parroting the words in the form of a question. Once you do that, sit back, be quiet, and wait. It puts the ball in their court. Number two, if we could find the money and make it easy to afford, can we do business? Number three, in addition to your boss or husband or wife, is there anyone else in the decision-making process that we should include? By the way, this should have already been asked and answered in the initial qualifying meeting. Number four, if you don't mind me asking, why the delay? This one takes courage. That's a hard question to ask. But unassertive salespeople have skinny kids, so ask the question. Number five, let's agree. After you gather the other bids, we'll meet one last time to compare apples to apples. Fair enough? As you extend your hand to shake theirs. Why be the last one they talk to, you might ask? The last person usually wins the business. If you want to enjoy a 75% close ratio, you need to take some risks that you've never taken before. Get out of your comfort zone. These ideas are proven, not just by me personally, but by my clients in my seminars. There's no philosophy without the art of ignoring objections. If you believe you're right, Julian Bagney said, then you should believe that you can make the case that you're right. This requires you deal with serious objections properly. And my friend Brian Tracy says, treat objections as requests for more information. So what are people telling you? Have the courage to overcome the objections and watch what happens. Well, Lucas, before we get into the last section of today's podcast, do we have an announcement or a, a question from the mailbag? Hey, Mark. Yes, we have a survey. Uh, so as regular listeners of the podcast are aware, EGIA surveys contractor network every month on a specific focus area to gain insight on how contractors are evolving their business practices to achieve maximum success. Uh, at the conclusion of each month, EGIA publishes a summary of the survey results and makes findings available exclusively for EGIA members. Uh, these monthly survey reports are a quick and easy way for contractors to kind of see what is working, what isn't working for their peers in the industry, glean best practices and all that. So in the latest snapshot survey, we, given the time of year, we talked about holiday bonuses and other perks, um, asked people all about if their companies were giving bonuses and what factors went into bonuses, gifts, that sort of thing. And I had a couple one to run by you, Mark. So one, we asked, does your company have a holiday or sort of an end of year party? And we had 84% of companies said, or of respondents said that they or their companies do a holiday or end of year party. Uh, and wanted to just kind of get your thoughts on that, Mark, on your experience with that. Uh, if you feel like that's a good thing, a bad thing, what? So holiday parties are important. They're important to everyone. My son works for Amazon and they do a, a, an after holiday party in February. And they, they do one at CenturyLink Field. And what they do is brilliant because they say everybody can bring a plus one. And it's a fantastic way to market your company. So if a prospective employee is considering coming to work for your company, invite them to the holiday party to see what they, 
one of the perks of working at that particular organization. I think the most fun I ever had at a holiday party that I was able to speak at was a gift exchange. And the gift exchange was fascinating. Uh, The person who put this gathering together came up with company-specific questions. You know, which technician locked his uh, keys in the truck the most times this last year? What's the owner's middle name, right? What's the uh, back uh, phone line, you know, the landline phone number? Just so whoever answered the question would get to choose a holiday gift. And there was there was enough gifts for everybody. They were all wrapped, so nobody knew what the gifts were. So the way the rules work in this kind of white elephant at gift exchange is I get to choose a gift and open it up. And uh, then I'm all excited or I'm disappointed being on the gift. And the gag gift was like a scrub brush, right? So invariably, somebody would get a scrub brush. But the rules were you could choose a gift that you didn't know, you know, what was wrapped inside, or you could take someone else's gift. So it made for a fascinating bit of fun because if you had the Nintendo or the PlayStation, you're not going to have it for long. Somebody's going to want to take your gift. And, uh, and then you give them the the gag gift, right? I did this with uh, you know the, the brush. I did this with my family this Christmas, and it was so much fun. And I, all I did was go to the dollar store and get a bunch of really cheap gag gifts. But it was it was really really a fun thing. And so my point is this: in addition to you know having it a nice place or bringing in a guy like me to speak or any of those other perks, make it fun. You know, get creative with your company gatherings, and uh, and and that way it's memorable. And it's one of those little things that allows you to keep the the people that you have. Invariably, you know, what I hear is when a technician leaves a company and they go to work for somebody else, they start comparing what the new company does with the old one. And if your company is the kind that does a fantastic job with holiday gatherings, that's one of the the reasons they might just come back. Now, one kind of final thought on that. Some of the best companies I work with have a simple rule. You get to come back once. You don't get to come back twice. And what I hear consistently is the people who come back become the advocates for the company because they literally say the grass is not greener on the other side. So company parties are huge. Uh, in terms of bonuses, uh, I, I'm a, I've been a long, long subscribed to the philosophy uh, of rewarding the behavior you want repeated. So who are the technicians that are generating most of the leads from the field? Cash spiffs, uh, plaques, time off. All of those things foster a a level of loyalty that just simply doesn't happen if you don't do them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I guess the point of the kind of the holidays in general, um, that time of year is is rewarding, as you said, kind of rewarding good behavior and just showing appreciation. And that's kind of the point of the of the party too, is just to show show people that they're appreciated, remind them that they're a valuable part of the team, and and that they're you know included in all the successes that you're having. Right. Yeah, I work with one company, and one of the things they do is they honor the person who's been there the longest with with gifts and like elaborate oh statues and soaring eagles and glass you know uh, plaques and and statues basically that symbolizes somebody's loyalty mm-hmm. that's another really great thing to, uh, again back to appreciation respect and understanding who doesn't like to be appreciated especially for loyalty yeah yeah so what i'm hearing is everybody should rent out century link field yeah, if you can afford it, if <laughs> the not, obligation. You know, go to the no, local country club and call it good enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually had an interesting quote here on um, on the end of your party, holiday end of your party thing from a contractor in British Columbia said, quote, our company has a number of people who do not celebrate the traditional holidays. Uh, therefore, we have a winter party in January and do quarterly performance bonuses in order to reward our staff regardless of season or religious affiliation. And I thought that was a really uh, kind of a 
a good quote and something that I guess keep in mind, you know, which isn't to say you can't say Christmas, you can't have Christmas decorations and nothing like that, but more that right. not everybody is of the same persuasion and simply that you want to make sure everybody feels included. Uh, even, right. you know, and that doesn't mean you can't celebrate your own holidays. It just means even, you know, if there's people who don't necessarily celebrate the same holidays, making sure that they feel included in any, because the whole point is to reward people to show your appreciation, stuff like that. And, and I guess that's another kind of a key that, that you don't want to overlook is making sure that everybody's feeling included in the same way, even if they don't necessarily celebrate the same holidays. And again, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean you can't have a Christmas tree. It doesn't even mean you can't have a call to Christmas party. Just right. sure that but it's happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa. You can't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Happy holiday party is a, is a good idea. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And just making sure everybody else feels included in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that is that is the latest EGI snapshot survey on holiday bonuses and perks. Uh, really good data that was collected because we kind of did it around the same time as the holidays. So it was kind of front of mind for a lot of people. We got some really good insights from people. And that is available now to all EGIA members in the EGIA member dashboard. And if you're not a member, you can head over to the EGIA blog, egia.org slash blog. There's a free excerpt that uh, includes one of these questions and the you know kind of the breakdown of the data uh, right now. So, And the listeners who aren't members, what are you waiting for? You know, make the investment. This is just one shining example of a look at the ice cream cone. So continuing on with our podcast, can I get a witness? It serves to show what sort of person must be who can't even get testimonials. No, no. If a man brings references, it proves nothing. But if he can, it proves a great deal, said Joseph Pulitzer. Attorneys have long employed the habit of bringing in an expert witness, people who are paid to testify in courtrooms. Many attorneys do this near the end of their summary to tip the jury in their favor. Why? because it's credibility and more importantly, it works. The other big factor isn't based on facts or evidence. The attorney, the jury likes the most usually wins. Marvin Gaye saying, can I get a witness? Pastors say, can I get an amen? Coaches say, who's with me? What do you say to prospects when you can hand them a testimonial letter or an email proving what you say is true? In Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, he calls it social proof. I've long subscribed to the idea of offering a one-sheet in all my proposals. A one-sheet simply a list of attributable quotes from delighted past clients. They're carefully chosen, industry-specific quotes from high-profile clients. In the world of books, testimonials from famous or noteworthy executives really count. Did you know that 80% of the book-buying public looks at the front of a book for 8 seconds, the back for 14 seconds, and then makes the buying decisions? And those decisions are often influenced by who says what. The other 20% read the inside cover, table of contents, the first chapter, and then buys the book, which is why Amazon lets you read the first chapter, kind of a lick of the ice cream cone for free. Movie producers do the same thing with critics' reviews in the newspaper and in their online ads. Here's an example of what I mean. These are unsolicited actual testimonials from delighted clients that I've spoken to, either keynotes or seminars. Notice the full name in the company. They're high-profile clients. Kurt Peterson from Microsoft said, Great job at our all-hands meeting. No one wanted you to stop. Ruan Emerson from Aflac said, The standing ovation and the value-added book signing afterwards told me that bringing you out was a great investment. Thank you for exceeding my expectations. We can't wait to have you back. David Rhea from the Texas Restaurant Association said, I've been attending seminars for 20 years. You're the finest speaker I've ever heard. Now, I was really flattered by all these quotes. But I have to get past that and use them in my proposals. What if you did the same thing? What if you took quotes? And I've never been a fan of the Frank R. or Sarah S. These are anonymous things. Ask permission to use their name and put them in your one sheet. The next client sends you a text or an email and tells you by phone that your company did a great job. 
thank them for the kind words, followed closely by, may I quote you? I've only had one client out of hundreds say no. I've always expected that person was in the WITSEC program in the FBI, but hey, I could be wrong. So to create your witness testimonials and your one sheet, consider the following. Number one, contact your top 20 clients and ask them why they bought from you and continue to do this. Make it a habit. Number two, take your top seven to 10 quotes and put them on a single page. Number three, put those quotes on your website. Here's what our clients are saying about us. And for that matter, put quotes from your customers, your internal customers, your employees. This is what our employees are saying about our company. Put them on the wall in your office, kind of a wall of fame. I remember walking into a contractor's company in Cincinnati years ago, and down the long hallway were hundreds of letters. And I couldn't be help but be impressed by the sheer volume of letters from delighted customers. It was impressive. Number five, put these one sheets in every agreement and proposal at the end. I think it was Will Rogers who said, when somebody else blows your horn, it travels twice as far. I think that's true. Number six, choose your top three and ask them if you can have prospects actually contacting them by phone. I've done this many times to great effect. I will literally say, you know what? Why don't we call this particular guy and see if we can't get him on the phone? And then I'll leave the room and you can ask him any question you want. Every time I did that, I closed the deal. Number seven, the next time you're making a presentation, refer to the top three clients and say, would you like me to call them so you can talk to them personally? Again, it takes a little bit of courage to do that. But then followed by what I'd said earlier, I'll leave the room and you can ask them anything you like. There's something magical about doing that. It's a high trust decision. The last one's so powerful and no one does it. I've done this, I don't know, probably 10 times and I've closed the deal every single time. If it works for attorneys, why not you? Well, only if you want your prospect to say you're guilty, guilty of keeping your promises, guilty of going the extra mile. What have you got to lose? Well, the sale, try it. Aren't you worth it? And do we have time for a little bit more? We do indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really okay. I, that what you're saying about testimonials. I feel like this is the, I mean, this is the entire reason that social media is popular as it is, right? Is that people like to hear, right. know what other people are doing. And it seems like, yeah, this has been proven time and again. Facebook is what it is because people want to know what others are doing, how others are, you know, consuming businesses, stuff like that, right? Well, I'm on the road. You're exactly right, Lucas. When I'm on the road, I'll try to figure out where I want to eat. I'll go on Yelp or Urban Spoon. And I'll pull up restaurants near me. And then I literally, if 275 people say this place is a five star, I go there. Yeah, and you're, not, you're not unique for that. No offense, Mark. But you're not unique for that. Yeah. That's, that's what, yeah, you know, that, that's the whole process. But Yelp did their thing. And then every other giant website got into it, right? Facebook was like, well, we can do this. Google was like, we can do this because of the value, because of the power that it has, because of how much people will rely on that and trust that. Absolutely. Because it's an objective meritocracy. Yeah. Right. It, it's simple. If that many people are saying this is a good place, it, it reduces the risk. So you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you yeah, have somebody else close your horn. Dreaming about Yelp right now, probably when you said general meritocracy. But yes, point taken. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing I'd like to talk about is service. Service after the sale. Brian Tracy said the ability to find a customer to sell your product or service to that customer and satisfy the customer so that he buys from you again and again should be the central focus of all entrepreneurial activity. Service after the sale. Many inexperienced salespeople simply forget they made some promises in the sales process that they absolutely must keep if they expect to keep the customer after the sale. The very best salespeople take the opportunity after the sale to wow the customer with extra mile value that amazes the client. 
Here's some of my favorites. Number one, send a handwritten thank you note to the client telling them how grateful you are for their trust in you. Number two, call, email, or stop by if possible to check with them to see if they're happy with the decision a month, three months, or six months later. They don't expect to see you again. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Number three, give them your contact information, your home phone number, your cell phone, and let them know they can contact you day or night with a question or concern. Number four, schedule a follow-up meeting to discuss details, make introductions to your team, and answer any new questions. And in fact, invite them to take a tour of your facility, especially if you're proud of your particular facility. Number five, when a request comes in, stop what you're doing, provide what's needed. This builds more trust and strengthens the relationship further. And number six, ask them six months later why they bought from you. Learn the cause of your success. And oh, by the way, if they're delighted, that's a pretty good time to ask for two names. Referrals. The following is a true story from my early days as a speaker, and I promise every word is true. In April of 2000, I was in San Diego, California, to give a presentation at the annual gathering of MEHITA, the Material Handling and Equipment Distributors Association. The conference was held at a four-star hotel in San Diego with 200 CEOs in a room to hear me talk about customer service excellence. It was a wonderful opportunity, not just for additional speaking engagements, but to test this back-of-the-room sales that I'd been reading about. You see, I finally had a product to sell. My first book was called Effective Communication. No one really knows about that book because nine people read it. No, wait, 10, my mother. Anyway, I had the audio cassette, and it was for sale in the back of the room, and I secretly hoped that some of these executives would buy it. One CEO purchased the tapes at the conference and called me for a speaking engagement about 30 days later. I called him back on his car phone, and he said, hold on, let me turn this off. I was listening to your audio tapes. A little flattered, I asked. What did you like most about the audio? He paused for a moment and then said, you know what I like the most? Holding my breath in anticipation, I said, no, what? He said, I can turn you off anytime I like. Ken, Ken Blanchard said, profit is the applause we get from our customer service efforts. It's lonely on the extra mile, but the purpose of business is to get and keep customers. I reserve the right to add more time and value to every one of my clients. I recently conducted a one-hour keynote for one of the fastest-growing wireless companies in the country, an amazing group of superstar business-to-business sales professionals. I was scheduled to speak at 2.50 p.m. to about 4.15. I showed up at 7.30 in the morning to listen to their internal speakers, observe their breakout sessions, enjoy the fireside chat with the CEO, his name is John Laguerre, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yogi Berra said you can observe a lot by watching. But this extra time I invested in allowed me to truly tailor my talk to their culture and to their language and areas of expected growth. The frosting on the cake was I surprised the audience by handing out 200 copies of my first book, Freedom from Fear, to all these sales professionals. I never tire of standing ovations. They're good for the soul. I signed books for an hour afterwards, and I was invited to, a, to bowling and cocktails. At dinner, the CEO said to me, you did a great job. There's some other areas there. I think we can use your services. Your talk was spot on. Great job. I'm going to read your book tonight and send you an email on my thoughts. Thanks again. The vice president that hired me was beaming. That was what I call the extra value, extra mile smile. So here's my question. What can you do to add value? What can you offer that none of your competitors do? How much can you delight your customers with more than they expect? What can you do to wow the customer? The juice is worth the squeeze. Well, Lucas, uh, my understanding is this might very well be the last podcast we do. Yes. And uh, I know we've got some things in the in the works. 
uh, that are going to replace this. Would yes. you mind talking a little bit about that? Uh, yes. So for the time being, anyway, we will be changing format going forward. Um, so this podcast will now be the home of the audio version of Cracking the Code, uh, which is the video streaming show featuring New York Times bestselling author Weldon Long that uh, streams every week at egia.org slash show. Uh, this is like the home services industry's leading weekly streaming program, casts a light on uh, the most important topics related to running a contracting business. Um, so the home will still be the same, egia.org slash podcast. If you subscribe on Apple, Google, or any other podcast service, your subscription will will be carried over. We'll be here going forward. Um, if you want to see and hear more of the illustrious Mark Madison, uh, stay tuned to EGIA.org. We can't reveal too much this uh, early on, but Mark will be at the center of a new streaming project from EGIA that will uh, explore some of the unique challenges, success stories, um, best practices happening in contracting businesses throughout the country today. Uh, and then, of course, Mark, you will be a presenter at Epic 2019. Um, that is the sort of transformative educational experience for home services contractors. Um, and registration, pre-registration is now open at egia.org slash epic20019, E-P-I-C-2019. Um, free registration is available in most EGI membership levels. So if you're hearing this, if you're a member, you probably can go for free. Um, we can't yeah, reveal... You better the sign up now because last year sold out really fast. Very fast. And we cannot reveal the keynote to you just yet. But Mark, I believe you know who it is. Um, oh, man. I think you were on that email. It's, He's amazing. It's the it was our, it's our dream keynote. It's the like the, the one we didn't think we could get. We got... It's it's yeah, like no, it wouldn't you not he's not one of the biggest names in the industry he's one of the biggest names I don't know in the world in entertainment yeah um, so we'll be announcing headliners uh, later this month I'm working on the press release as we speak Mark so very soon uh, I think I I think I can quote something from one of his books though can you he said that uh, fishing somebody asked him if he liked fishing he goes fishing he goes that's like taking a uh, nap with a stick <laughs> that's, that sounds like it yep. yeah. Um, so it's going it, to be great. It, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think we've always had some pretty fantastic keynotes at these events and this, this might just blow them all out of the water. So anyway, so yep. you can, as I said, that's, those are your programming notes. Um, and yeah, just, just stay tuned for big announcements coming up. Um, that's sort of why the programming change. We need to, we need to move Mark's time over to this pretty major new program that I think, um, when executed is going to be unlike anything that's being done in the industry right now. I think Mark, I, I don't think that's going to be awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's going to blow some people away. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the bad news is these, the podcasts in this format are stopping. The good news is we've got some things in store. They're going to be amazing. And you might get to see Mark's pretty face on those things. So that's a scary thought. I got a face for radio. Yeah. Mark and a couple of, uh, there'll be a couple other people who I believe have both guested on the, uh, on the podcast at times. So, yeah, so that's about all we can say, I guess for now, that should build some anticipation and excitement. It should indeed. So, um, yeah, so just stay tuned. As I said, anybody who, if you subscribe here, you can continue to subscribe here. You should start getting it. Um, the weekly show goes out on Mondays. So you start getting pushed out on a weekly basis. So Mark, anything else? Yeah, I would say this, you know, again, I go back to, are you a member? And if not, why not? You know, the, the value elements in becoming an EGI member is unknown and unknowable. It's just one of those things that once you, once you make that commitment, you have access to all this extraordinary information. Why would you not make that investment? Because here's, here's my belief. You only need one good idea to change your life and your business. And, uh, all of us, I think, are on a quest to find the one idea. So there, there isn't, any other organization in the world that offers the kind of value that EGI does. So pull the trigger, take the risk, make the commitment, sign up today. I agree. 
And Mark, it's been a, it has been a pleasure learning from you every uh, a couple times a month. Um, uh, well, you're a joy to work with, my friend. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Lucas. Well, we can talk about him like he's not here. You're, you're so much fun to spend time with on and off the court. The first time I met you, I knew right away. I said, well, I really like this guy. And I think it's because of who you are. Your ability to improv and, and relate to people is really a gift. And you're you're not just fun to work with, but I always learn something from you as well. So, yeah, this has been a really uh, a real kind of humbling experience for me. It's just uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have done these podcasts. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I feel, I feel likewise, and uh, I'm sure everybody listening does as well. So, um, yeah, look forward to what the future holds. Like I said, these projects, I think you're, uh, you're going to be able to reach people in a, in a completely different way than, than anything that's happening right now. It's cool, brother. It's been fun. It and it's only going to get better. The Absolutely. best is yet to come. Yeah. That'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit egi.org slash podcast to find this episode and an archive of previous episodes. The online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment. Links to the Apple Podcast and Google Play app and a link to the latest EGI snapshot survey. For more information about EGI membership, visit www.egi.org slash join. I'm Mark Madison. Thanks for letting me play in your sandbox.